0: Some like a big church. Some like a small church. But I wonder about those who want to stay small. Do they not want people to have a relationship with God? Do they they want people to go to hell? And what are these people who want to stay small going to do when they get to heaven and discover that they're worshiping God with millions of other other believers. That ain't small. Some people like a country church. Some people like a city church. I've been in both. You know, you might be in a country church if the call to worship is, y'all come on in. You might be in a country church if the preacher says, I'd like to ask Bubba to pray and five guys stand up. You might be in a country church if never in its 100-year history has one of its pastors had to buy meat, eggs, or vegetables. You might be in a country church if there's dried tobacco juice down both sides of the church van. You might be in a country church if the church directory doesn't have last names. Hal, Alan, Nick, Bill, Sybil. You might be in a country church if the only time the members lock their cars is during the summer. And that's so that nobody else will put another bag of tomatoes in there. You might be in a country church... If when the pastor preaches on how Jesus fed 5,000, the men of the church begin to wonder, were those two fish bass or catfish? (laughs) I'll tell you, the the very first churches, now they were great churches. They were great. And those first churches serve as our God-given example of how to do it of how church is done, if you will. Those folks made a habit of getting in touch with heaven. They made a habit of receiving their marching orders and using the power that God gave them to serve and bless God. Boy, them churches were great. These people were filled with Christian character. These first churches believed in salvation by faith in Christ alone. These first churches believed in separation, being morally excellent unto God. They believed in sanctification, being set apart by the knowledge of God's truth. They believed in service, giving God full control of their lives. They persevered suffering knowing that you can't have a testimony without a A test. I love y'all. You can't have a testimony without a test. They believed in submission, pressing on to godliness in their character. They shared brotherly kindness in their ministry to one another, in the course of their marriages, and even with their money. They shared brotherly kindness and Finally, they were spiritually mature. Man, they loved God. And they loved one another. And they loved them with an unconditional, a sacrificial love. Truly a love like none other. Let's read about one of these churches in Acts chapter 11, shall we? In Acts 11, beginning in verse 19. The Word of God says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose after Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from, Cyrene, from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks, and were preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged them all that the, with the purpose, they, uh, with purpose of heart, they should all continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was there for a whole year. They assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Let us pray. Father, we desire to be the great church you've called us to be. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in this day, in our day, hundreds of churches are like dead batteries. They're speaking their sermonettes to Christianettes by preacherettes so they can go out and smoke their cigarettes. But I want to tell you, God wants sure enough Christians. Can you say sure enough Christians? God wants a sure enough Christians who will stand up and build a mighty church for God. I'm going to share with you seven seven things that made this early New Testament church one of the greatest that the world has ever known. And as we go through these seven things, I want you to see if Bethel Baptist Church stacks up. The first way that the early New Testament church was so great is they had a great purpose. Their purpose was to obey the Savior. Their purpose was to obey Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, the Lord Jesus gave his disciples a very important message. In verse 4, the word says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Brothers and sisters, obedience, obedience to God is always a vital link to receiving his power and always a vital link to receiving blessings from God. Someone has once said, ours is not to reason why, ours is rather to do or die. It's just that simple. Are you going to obey him or are you not? There's no middle ground. You see, through their obedience, they obtained the promise. They did what Jesus told them to do, and they waited, and they received the promise, which is the Holy Spirit of God that He had promised them. And Jesus had told them, you'll receive power. You'll receive power to do what I've told you to do when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Through their obedience, they obtained the promise. But through their obedience, they also obtained their purpose. Their purpose was to share the life-changing gospel good news of Jesus Christ. They were called to be witnesses. You and I are called to be witnesses in every phase of your life, in your public life, in your private life, in your marital life, in your work life, in your study life, whatever part of your life, you are called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He said it, not me. He told us that you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You are shall be witnesses when you receive the promise then we find on into Acts the apostle Peter did a just a phenomenal job preaching and in one of his more famous sermons in Acts he stood before the great crowds in the streets of Jerusalem and he witnessed the people from all nations just like he was told to do and his sermon was so simple His his message was so plain and his purpose was so clear. Bethel Baptist Church has the exact same purpose. And that purpose is for us to help people get to heaven. That is your purpose, friend. As a Christian, as a child of God, is to help people get to heaven. I pray that that's top of your list. They had a great purpose. But this early New Testament church also had great prayer. Later on in Acts chapter 12, we discover that Peter's in prison. Why? Why is a disciple of God found in prison? Because he was doing what he was told to do. He was preaching the gospel. He was telling other people about Jesus. He was helping people get to heaven. And they threw him in jail because of it. But I want you to know that he didn't endure that time in prison all by himself. For in Acts chapter 12, the Word of God says in verse 1 Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison. He delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Did you get that? The church people We're offering up constant prayers to God for Peter. Now hear the rest of the story. In verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone into the prison, and he struck Peter on the side raised him up saying arise quickly and the chains fell off his hands then the angel said to him gird yourself and tie on your sandals and so he did and he said to him put on your garment and follow me and so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision and when they were past the first And then the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. My friend, my brother, my sister, you may not be as nimble as you once were. You may not think that you're a very good teacher. You may not have a whole lot of money, but let me tell you something that you do have. You have access to the throne of God, and you are able to petition Him to use, guide, strengthen, protect, and impart wisdom to the ones that God is using to reach, to preach, and to teach to lost people who are going to hell unless they do it. You're able to pray. And over and over again, God's word tells us that great things happen when God's people pray. Are you praying for your church? Are you praying for your pastor? Are you praying for your Sunday school teacher? Are you praying for the outreach ministry? Brothers and sisters, are you praying? Bethel Baptists don't dare underestimate the power of prayer. The great early church had the power of prayer, but they also had great preaching. Now, brothers and sisters, if you don't know it, you don't have the greatest preacher Brothers and sisters, you don't have the most educated pastor. And you don't have the most gifted leader. But let me tell you something you got. You got just a regular old ordinary sinner saved by grace. An ordinary man who loves you and whose greatest desire on this earth today is that you have a more intimate relationship with your God. It's all you got, baby. It's all you got. Peter was an ordinary man, too. But man, that boy could preach. He was an ordinary man, but he wasn't a great preacher. But man, he could preach. Why? Why? Because it wasn't his preaching that was so good, it was the content of his messages. Peter's preaching exalted our great Savior. Peter's preaching encouraged great servants. And Peter's preaching exposed great sin in people's lives. And guess what? People responded to it, people responded to those messages even though he was just an ordinary man. On one occasion, 3,000 people responded to one message. Ordinary man. No one can deny great preaching. But they also had great power you see, this early church experienced firsthand the power of Pentecost, the power of that initial giving of the Holy Spirit of God onto, onto a group of people all at the same time. And this power that was given at Pentecost is the same power that was used in creation. That Pentecost power, that Holy Spirit power, is the same power that parted the Red Sea. It's the same power that kept Daniel safe when he was in the lion's den. It's the same power that saved those three Hebrew boys from that fiery furnace. That Holy Spirit power is the same power that turned water into wine, that that healed the multitudes, that fed 5,000, that gave sight to the blind, and raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the same power. And you got it. We've got the power. It's available to every Christian. But, I hate it when there's a but in there. It does depend on a couple of things. This power depends upon a clean life. You see, God's not going to fill a nasty vessel with His Holy Spirit power. God desires that our vessel be clean, empty, and available for His use. Depends upon a clean life, but it also depends upon a consistent walk. This fly-by-night, blow-hot, blow-cold, in-and-out kind of Christianity will never know the power of God. Never. There must be a consistent walk. But this power also depends... Upon a continual asking. See, great power comes through great prayer. In Luke chapter 11, the Lord Jesus gave us something that's so familiar to you, but there's something that maybe skipped your attention one time. In Luke chapter 11, the Lord Jesus is speaking. And he says, So I say to you, ask. Say ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. Say seek. Seek. And you shall find. Knock. Say knock. knock. Knock and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give and get this, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We're in the habit here of praying not only that God will be with us as we worship, but that God will fill us with his Holy Spirit. That it will overflow out of us into our neighbor. I pray that the Lord fills me so much that that Alan is drowning in it. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Now consider David for a moment. David had a willing heart. When the Lord looked into his heart, he saw a boy, a man after his own heart. His motives were pure. His life was clean at that time. and He was ready to go wherever the Lord led him. He had a willing heart. Do you? David also had a wise head. He was wise enough to wait until the proper time to take the throne. But David also had working hands. When the prophet came upon him to anoint the new king, Out of eight brothers, there was only one of them working. You know who it was? It was David. David also had working hands. And I believe that the Lord looks to use clean hearts, clear heads, and calloused hands. Is that a good description of you? Are you willing to have a clean heart, a clear head, and calloused hands? for the cause of Jesus. The story is told of a huge barge that was loaded with brick and rock that sank in a New York harbor. This, this barge over many years had sunk deep into the mud. And then the day came that the city wanted to build this bridge over the harbor. But that sunken barge, it had to be moved. It had to go. So all their efforts, all their machinery couldn't do the job And finally this one young engineer came up with a great idea and they said, okay, we'll give that a try. And several big barges were were brought up to the area and they were chained together and uh, then the tide went down to low tide. And several chains were hooked to that sunken barge. And then they sat back and they waited. And as the tide began to come into the harbor, and the tide began to rise there was creaking and groaning and stretching of chains and soon that barge broke loose from the mud was lifted up out of its place and it floated away the power of the Atlantic Ocean had been used to raise that barge so what's your point brother Bill When all efforts of human wisdom fail, God's mighty power can do the job. Power. That's the kind of power we need. We don't want no human power. We want God's power. At Bethel we have found that God does indeed infuse His power into willing hearts. He infuses His power into wise heads. And he infuses his power into clean, consistent, working hands. It's part of the thing that makes Bethel such a great church. But this early New Testament church also had great persecution. It's so sad that those who do the work of God here on earth are persecuted. But Christians have always been persecuted. Persecuted. Jesus said to his disciples, In this world you shall have tribulation. Then Paul also promised, If we suffer, then we shall also reign with him. Suffering's coming. Eleven of the twelve apostles were killed in a violent way because of their faith. And when people go all out to please God, when they really give their all, there's going to be some criticism. When you go all out, your friends are going to say, man, you're going overboard. When you go all out to please God, there might even be some threatening. And young people, I'll tell you this, if you go all out to please God, I hate to tell you this, but even your Christian friends might say, man, you're going a little overboard. You don't listen to them. You tell them you just want to please your Father in heaven. Great persecution, just like there was in the early New Testament church. Today, friend, Christ may not ask you to die for him, but he does ask you to live for him. And I wonder sometimes if that's not harder than going ahead and dying. All that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution the word of God for him. Can I tell you that if you're not being booed if you're not being booed then maybe you're not in the game. That early New Testament church had a great purpose. They had great prayer. They had great preaching. They had great power. They had great persecution but they also had great Great people. We got some great people. But people in this early Christian group gave up their very life's work. They gave up their occupation, their career. Peter left his nets to follow Jesus. James and John left their fishing business and became fishers of men instead. They gave up their life's work, but you know what? Many were also willing to give up their wealth. Why, Barnabas sold his house and gave it to God's work sold his house gave it up their their work and willing to give up their wealth I mean it's just incredible what this early church was willing to do but they were also willing to give up their very life I know that many of you who heard brother John Kennedy preaching told you about Stephen laying down his very life in the streets of Jerusalem because he refused to turn his back on jesus as i look out over our bethel family i see those that have been willing to do the same thing willing to give up their life's work and their wealth and even their very life if it was necessary why because they knew that it takes great people to make a great church bethel has a great message Bethel has a great mission and we've got great members and with all those tools yeah we're going to be a great church finally that early New Testament church held on to great promises these people had the promise of heaven can you believe that they had the promise of heaven but guess what so do we They had the promise of the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? But so do we. They had the promise of genuine happiness. Can you believe that? So do we. Thousands of promises in the Scriptures are for your benefit and mine. Promises. So as we consider these seven things today, these seven things that made the early church so great, let us apply them to our church too. Let us apply them to our lives, our church, so that we too can be a great church for a great and marvelous God. Great. Friend, if you want to become part of something so great, God's doing it here. But it begins this way. It begins with you placing your trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to save you from the penalty of your sins. That's how you begin to become a part. God's Word promises that when you do that, that you're going to become a part of God's family, and He promises you that you will spend eternity with Him in a place called... tell you that there will be no better day down the road than today for you to get right with God. Won't you be great and a part of something great? Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that you've been so willing to pour out your blessings on us. Lord, I thank you that you're not satisfied with mediocrity. You want the very best for us. You desire us to be a great influence, to make a great impact, to make a great difference in our community. Lord, I'm also thankful that You desire to make a great change in us. Lord, if there's one here who needs that change, who's ready to put their foot down, put a line in the sand to walk across it to never turn back, to receive all that you've got in store and become part of something great that you're doing, pray that you'd speak to them today. I pray that you would remind them that because of Jesus Christ, you've enabled us to become great. Not in the eyes of men, but great in the eyes of our Father in heaven. That's our desire. So Lord, there's a decision to be made. Whether it be to receive the eternal salvation you offer through Christ. Whether it be to follow through in believers' baptism whether it be to join this family at Bethel, whether it be to recommit their lives to the glory of God, Lord, whatever the decision may be, Lord, I pray that you'd make it, well, great. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.
1: Let's all stand.
0: 4 o'clock will be Bethel Meals on Wheel. Bring whatever you like. We're going to put some plates together and take out at least. Some-
1: Saturday.